0: How are you guys doing today? My name is Vincent
1: and I'm Francis
0: and I'm glad you could join us today for some late night chill vibes the podcast where philosophy life and existing as human beings can become a casual discussion.
1: Before we get into this week's episode we have a few announcements. We are small content creators with big time dreams. We love doing this podcast. We love sharing our thoughts and most of all we love you guys.
0: Right now we're not making any money off of this podcast and We're okay with that because this is our passion. This is what we want to do.
1: With your help and support, we can see this dream come to fruition.
0: Leaving written reviews on our page, following our social media accounts, and sharing this podcast with friends and family would really help us continue making content and vibing to the highest quality.
1: What we want, what we truly want, is for all of you guys, our listeners, the community, to enjoy our jumbled thoughts and comfortably vibe with puzzling conversations.
0: One last thing, if you ever want to just talk to us or even be on the podcast, please contact us through our social media accounts. We love connecting with you guys and hearing what you have to say. Now, let's get into the episode.
1: Today, we'll be doing something a little bit different. Um, Today, we'll have our next guest. And usually when we have a guest on, we come up with a topic and we focus on that for the duration of the episode usually go on off on our tangents and we come back to this topic uh but this time we are going to leave it up to our guest to give her view on things her unique view and without further ado let's start vibing shall we let's do it
0: So our special guest today, as you can tell from the title of this episode, is my good friend Paige McKay. She goes to University of Victoria, specifically the School of Music, which according to her is a really hard program to get into. Um, basically she's the best of the best. So she's into music, of course, uh, teaching and education, and she's in youth parliament. So Paige, say hi to the people.
2: Hello everyone.
0: <laughs> Alright. So. Um, like Francis said, we usually have like a specific topic that we get into, but today we were kind of wanted to get the perspective of Paige. So all right, music, tell us about your relationship with music.
2: My relationship with music is a bit different than what I think most music majors would find themselves having. I started when I was nine and I was enrolled in piano lessons, which I turned to be really dog-at, uh, but I could sing, so I, I did singing lessons instead, and I lived in a very remote community, so I would drive out and do competitions, and I've basically been singing ever since, and I did, I did a lot of performing in, in high school, so I feel like I kind of got that out of my system, and now I find education side of music a lot more rewarding, but for me, music is definitely something I like live and breathe. I'm, as Vincent knows from me at work, I am never not listening to music. <laughs> My brain can't handle it. It's, uh, sometimes I listen to something mindless and sometimes I listen to something that um, makes me think, but it's just something that's always surrounded me. I don't come from a musical household, so it's more of like a chosen love. Chosen love
0: um francis francis do you have any questions right now for
1: yeah that last part got to me that's so cool so it's a forged path kind of thing which is always like way more interesting than having it i don't know inherited but uh
0: okay so like i guess to feed from what you're saying would you say that it's healthier to have a forged love for something or something that is just given to you like maybe you grew into it
2: Ever since I started wanting to do music seriously, I feel like I've had to fight for it a bit more. I've My parents are very practical and music is not their thing. So even as a kid, to convince them to let me go out to these competitions that it's worth the money or that, you know, buying these books and whatever is, is worth it for me um, was a fight as a kid. Not a fight. I mean, they let me do it and they wanted me to pursue opportunities that would be good for me but definitely is hard and then being the only one I knew for a long time that was seriously into music um is c- it kind of gets lonely but then it it really makes you consider what is important to you so still wanting to pursue music even though um I could talk t- I like there was I had no friends I could talk to about it or my parents didn't couldn't talk to me about it or anything like that um but still wanting to do it made me realize that it's more than like a phase of Mm -hmm. of music it's it was something that really mattered to me so i think i i wouldn't say it's better because i in many ways i wish i grew up with a musical family i think it would have made it a lot easier and maybe maybe i could have excelled further than i it did as a kid but um i think that it made me be more mature and serious about my passion like i was marketing it i was marketing why this was a good idea why going to music school is not studying unemployment
1: like Paige, what was your earliest memory of music what what like got the i don't know got the musical gears turning at the at the early stages
2: I used to have a bunch of DVDs of old musicals that I would watch in my basement by myself. And I remember the first time Aww. I ever watched Sound of Music <laughs> and I was obsessed with it. And I went out and I bought the book of of the songs. And when I went to my first singing lesson, I was like beat red and I didn't want to sing. I don't know why I was at a singing lesson if I didn't want to sing. But the first song I ever sang at a singing lesson was... The little flower gleaming glow song from the movie Tangled, <laughs> and so that song huh. kind of gives me like trauma every time I listen to it of remembering how nervous I was when I was nine years old and at at the studio and the first time at a singing lesson but um those are my earliest memories I, like as a kid, I never no one in my house is a super proficient singer, everyone's into hockey and baseball and yeah. Yeah, not music, so it was kind of uh, up to me.
0: Just people who are listening, uh, the setup right now I have is kind of strange, so you're probably going to hear more popping than usual, because I usually have like a... Pop filter? Yeah, a pop filter, but not today. Um, music right now, what specifically about music is your passion? I know we talked about this when we were brainstorming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we were talking about...
1: Conventions. Oh, wait, no, 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 I have, I have all the words here.
0: No, it was like iambic. No, not iambic. Iambic, <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about non-quantized? Rhythm? Yes, non-quantized. Uh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Tell tell the people about this.
2: He wants me to talk about non-quantized rhythm. What that is, is it was, um, well, it's hard to put a pinpoint on when it was invented. When I think it was at its most awesome was in the, in the mid uh, to late 90s, starting with Jay Dilla and the Soulquarians in L.A. Um, they basically, Jay Dilla messed up a drum machine, so it played really janky, so that the the drums and the bass and everything didn't quite land on the same beats. Quantizedness is when um, all sounds are organized in a grid, snap to like a grid, everything is completely even. Uh, but non-quantizedness is when everything kind of um, everything has its own interplay and push and pull with that grid. So it can kind of sound a bit drunk or sloppy, but it's, it's superhuman and super groovy to me. Um, Questlove, who you may know, he is the drummer of The Roots right now, um, was kind of the pioneer of playing that type of beat live on a drum set. And recent um, musicologists and music theorists have been trying to um, figure out a way to notate something so uneven. S- like it's it's kind of the purpose of non-quantized rhythm is that it's kind of unnotatable. It's like just so ever slightly sloppy and ever so slightly off the grid. But the closest that they've come up to it would be like um, a septuplet swing or something of the sort. So if you're a musician, um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my ramble about non-quantized rhythm.
0: I know that when we brought this idea up, I mentioned it as these quantized, quantized, quantized rhythms, quantized, quantized, quantized rhythms as rules, and I remember you disagreed with that, right? Okay, so for the sake of it, I'm gonna call it a rule, just like a rule that we subconsciously just work with. Is, is that wrong to say?
2: I would say. Today, quantizedness is more default.
0: So if it's more default, then I'm just going to call it a rule. Fuck yeah. it. It's a rule. Yeah, um, Francis, what do you think? Do you think, what is your thoughts on these rules that we have in music or these defaults that we have in music?
1: Well, I'll say that they're, they're good for learning. Like uh, you got to start somewhere. And if you have rules there and the rules sound good. And you know you vibe with the rules, then you'll you're gonna be able to play more because you're more like into it, I guess, and then that'll just motivate you to expand your knowledge of music and then break the rules eventually, so I don't know, I think they're a good starting point, they're a good launching point, but I don't know much about music, so this is just a I'm just a rambling like of mine
0: thinking of it in general, okay, I agree with that, I guess I can't really disagree with that I think yes, rules. Are important but I don't know Francis this kind of just reminds me of you know this conversation that we had a couple weeks ago how like rules can definitely help but in the long run I don't know if they're the best right would you agree to that
2: yeah music has a lot of customs a lot of um, conventions Ah. conventions yeah yeah, that we follow more or less because our teachers tell us to Mm And a lot of the times we don't ask why, we just kind of do it because that'll get you the higher grade at the competition or, you know, in your class. So there's lots of things like that in music that we just do. But then when 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 artists don't do that, sometimes it can be super freaking cool. So
0: You mentioned um, that with the unquantized rhythms they're like more human yes yes Yes. right I love that and I know that you're interested in teaching right so would you say that in teaching creating these rules maybe not like music specifically or maybe yeah music too but these rules that we create in the school system are they better or worse for children I guess
2: I think that teaching about rules is more or less like teaching about history. Like you're teaching what rules were used when. um, But the rules aren't necessarily needed now. My, as a music education student, I also have the education half of things. And my personal favorite way of learning is inquiry-based learning. So basically, you ask a question and then you find yourself the answer. It has nothing to do with rules. Okay. in in a certain field you would be well, what is this you know yeah. what happened here did the aliens build the pyramids I don't know Maybe. and then you go and find Maybe. out that's uh. what I think I think that the rules rules can be foundational and, and then there's things like math and science but I'm dog water at those <laughs> so I can't speak on that
0: um, side note I definitely think the aliens helped build the pyramids really you don't believe that
2: Oh, we had a conversation about this today at work.
0: Did we? Like conspiracies? I wasn't there. I wasn't there for that. Oh, okay, okay. Conventions. Yes. Yes. So you have somewhat problems with conventions. Okay. First, go into that word for a second here, and then what's your deal with conventions?
2: Well, in music, a lot of our in one some some parts of music, uh, historically, informed performance is a big thing. Oh yeah. That yeah, is yeah. a big convention. Yes yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, you know, musicologists and music historians have are figuring out more and more about how certain pieces of music were performed when they were written, on what kind of instruments, with what kind of, um, you know, vibrato and with what kind of tuning and ornamentation and all of that kind of stuff. That's not as uh, big in the whole voice world than it is in the instrumental world, but that's a big thing. But in the same way, a lot of very good, very famous musicians did beautiful performances of these pieces before these discoveries involving historically informed performance were made. And so they did these perfectly wonderful performances, just how they interpreted the music, Mm -hmm. rather than having the pressure of, oh, I need to do Baroque ornamentation because I'm playing Bach or whatever. Um, but also in music school we talk a lot about um, weighing how much of a performance uh, belongs to the composer how much of it belongs to Ooh. you and how much of it belongs to your teacher and how much of it belongs to the audience and, and balancing that and who, who you do it for and, and who the music is representing
0: Okay, so if, do you have a problem somewhat with convention these conventions or no like, what's your take on this?
2: Like I said, I'm I'm a singer. So right. it's not as big of a thing in my world. But it still is with ornamentation and stuff. And um, I think historically in perform, performance is cool. It's like a museum. It's cool. <laughs> but it's not something that we should hold ourselves back by. Right? If okay. you have a super cool idea that you want to do... Um, that is innovative and new. I don't think that you should hold yourself like like hold yourself back because of these conventions. Um, people think that these pieces of classical with a small c music um, are on this pedestal as like these holy right. artifacts that should not be tampered with. Um, and you should play them with respect, and you shouldn't play them if you're not this age, and you shouldn't play them if you're not at this skill level, and which is a big thing. Um, but I really don't think so. I think it's notes on a page, and yes, a lot of pieces were super um, instrumental in the development of music, and the composers were geniuses, and they, they, they created new ideas and innovative music in ways that you know, we have to be grateful for and um, that led us to where we are today. But I don't think that that means that um, they wouldn't want us to play it how we want to play it or play it uh, with passion, you know? Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: So
0: Francis, what's your take on convention then before I go into my take?
1: I think it's, yeah, I think it's cool because like thinking about yeah, like what Paige said, it's cool because uh, if you go into like the future and you look, back at the present time like right now and see the kind of ways that we play things now and see how you know in the future how they would view what classical historically informed performance was for the present I think they'd be interested and I guess they'd have their own way of doing things that are probably pretty beyond what we're doing so I think the fact that convention exists for a given time period solidifies like the fact that there's evolution and that's always interesting but i think that's like a yeah i guess that's my take on it
0: (laughs) okay so okay what i have to say is that there is a part of me that that agrees but also at the same time i feel that focusing on convention longer helps innovation more
2: well then you know um then you know where the boundaries need to be stretched.
0: Right. That I think that's what I'm trying to that's what I'm trying to get to is a, like like I said before is kind of these convention, these rules per se um, you kind of work within this convention and then from there you kind of stretch it out a little bit more and you know the more the wider you try to stretch it out the riskier it is but that's when true innovation comes from, is from those conventions. But then at what point then does some kind of innovation turns into convention? At what point? does it? Is it like when everyone's like, oh, this thing is like the perfect thing or this is like the perfect sound or this is something that we have to just, you know, get into for the future and just follow this path? Or should we stick to it came from here, therefore that's still an innovation it should not be a certain convention or rule that we should follow
1: okay so when 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 con- when innovation becomes convention uh i think it just it just ha- has to do with how we organize the information that's already present in what we're using or what we're doing like if there was a, w- a new way to organize music like if if it wasn't in between how does like five bars Is that right? I think there's five bars, (laughs) but uh, if it wasn't in between (laughs) five bars, the fuck? Wait, it's not. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know how it works, but like the sheet music, like how there's a like if it wasn't in between five bars and it was like you know some other way of organization that made it easier to play, maybe uh, made some new kind of organization really shine through that makes music easier to see, like it makes it more beautiful, I guess, when you play it. Um, And the parallel can be drawn between, I guess, that kind of structure and how we see things and, like, um, programming maybe. Because in the early days of programming, you did machine programming, which was just, like, programming the bits. And it's, like, really, really cryptic uh, stuff that that nobody understood. And now you got, like, high-level language that makes it so much easier to program a computer because there's, like parallels between the english language maybe and what you're seeing on the computer So, are you
0: saying it's like efficiency
1: yeah okay Because i think maybe it just boils down to that but at the same time efficiency is a word that kind of has connotations to people like having something empirically better and having like it very mental uh but more than that it has to really just like like we said in like like the word that we said in planning like resonate with people and make people feel good about what they were doing, and I think whenever that happens, and whenever that is an innovation that comes out of somebody's work, then it will become a convention for sure. Okay.
0: But uh, okay. yeah. Do you have something here, Paige? Yes. Okay, she's got something. Oh my god.
2: Okay, so we're t- we're talking about if 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 innovation becomes the new standard, right? Okay. Um, in many ways, I think that has happened. Um, in music. We have, you know, all the eras, Baroque, classical, yeah. you know, modern, postmodern. One term is that is used to describe now is postminimalism. It is a art term coined by Robert Pincus Witten in nineteen seventy one, used in various artistic fields for work that is influenced by or attempts to develop and go beyond the aesthetic of minimalism. Basically the era we're in now. Some have called it the death of harmony. Like um, there is no rules and structure to music anymore. And um, some people really don't like it. Some people love it. I'm on the love it side of things. So basically, in this post minimalist world, um, more is more. The rule, the the, mm-hmm. the standard is innovate and create and go crazy, go mm-hmm. go crazy, go stupid ah, um, <laughs> with your music okay. and yeah. So what is it? Yeah. So we've kind of abandoned traditional functional tonality, mm-hmm. which for a long time was a big thing. But I think it's interesting because music used to be a lot less organized um, way back in like medieval music. We used nooms, which is a kind of notation that uh, I like to think of it as what you see when you sing on rock band. It's like, you know, go up, go down, but oh, it doesn't, yeah. have, like, doesn't <laughs> have like, you know, notes so it just has like approximate durations and go up, go down on notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like kind of the first form of musical notation. And everyone would just kind of sing together and make it work. It was not that organized, but it worked. Um, and then we went into, obviously with the printing press and everything, the development of mm. the musical notation that we see, as you said, with the bars, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> intelligent way of putting it. Um, and yeah, um, Post-minimalism, it's like we're going, we, we were unorganized, and then we were super organized, and now we're going back to being unorganized.
0: Ah, I see.
2: But now we have different ways of, uh, we have different ways of organizing music, like digitally and um, on, on software, which we didn't have before. So I, I think that that the abandonment, like, the, that the idea of innovation being the new standard in music specifically is currently Yes, that is happening. That has happened. Okay,
0: I have to agree with that. I I disagree with what I said before because like I feel what I feel like is if I agree with what I said before, it sets up the idea that in forms of music and in art in general, there are things about it that's objective. And I disagree with that. My cousin disagrees with us, I think it is. What she said is that if a critic comes through and says this song or this piece of art is bad, that is objectively correct. But as a bystander saying that that art is good or bad is subjectively correct. Well, I guess you can really say subjectively correct, but it's a subjective opinion. Mm. But the whole idea of something being objectively correct means that everything else has to be right or wrong. Francis, what do you think? Do you think do you think music and art in general, um, there are things about it that's objective or is it completely subjective?
1: Uh, I think when you're creating music, there's some objective uh, processes that go into how you structure and how you put together what you want people to hear. But when you're listening to it, I think that is completely subjective because it's up to you what you want to like
0: so, but like what you're saying then is that there are parts of music that's objective?
1: Uh, yes, from when you're making it. Okay, Paige is making a face.
0: <laughs> Here she goes.
2: Okay, All
1: right.
2: uh, I don't, okay, I got to make sure because I make sure every time. Objective means right. like true. 100% true and subjective is like up to you, opinion. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. I think every single thing in music is subjective except for the physics behind sound okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what you know overtones and 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 the harmonic series and such um scientific things behind music i think those are objective you can't argue with that but i think that everything else is
0: no but like i mean oh
2: maybe i said that wrong no but, but yeah.
0: in that sense if that song or like was the science part of it yeah right if that sounded good to someone and sounded bad to someone else, would that be subjective? Or is that person who said that sounds bad is objectively wrong? Or is that just... Subject- Every,
2: everything of... In music, everything which you would say good or bad yeah. is subjective because even, even in that, sometimes bad is the goal. Uh-huh. Sometimes music is not made to make you feel happy and pleasant and good. Um, something doesn't have to be happy... To or make you feel good right. to be uh achieving its end yeah, that's true, that's true. but i i think that everything in music is subjective because rightness is not possible because of time and place mm. in music
1: okay i'd say to that that like in the process of making music what do you say about like tools and stuff when you're uh, trying to make music Maybe some people have preferences for what instruments to use And they reach for like say a piano And when you reach for that That's like something objective That I think you'd have to
0: You say objective or subjective
1: Yeah Objective that you'd have to Like okay. like people would universally agree to Using because it produces Something that is Objectively maybe uh, <laughs> What you want
2: Okay, I just have a counter to that. Um, what is a violin bow used for? Like, how do you use it?
1: I guess you use it to make the strings. Like vibrate. you slide it
2: on the string, right? You sl- you bow it up yeah. and down the string. Okay, what about conlango? Right. Conlango is an actual musical term where you hit the back wood. You hit you hit the wood. That's a real thing. Okay. Conlango. Um, so right, it's like right. what things are used for is subjective. Uh-huh. Just like the piano, you can you can uh, you can pluck the strings from the inside if you reach in the top. It's it's subjective. Anything's a musical instrument if you want it to be.
1: I want to make a case that you have to start from somewhere, and where you start from is an objective kind of. It's it's an objective start, right? Because when you're making something, you don't start from scratch. You kind of build off of whatever somebody has made before. And I'm saying that the tools are the objective beginnings when you're trying to create something in music. Like, you start with a piano. Maybe you can, like, I don't know, change what the piano looks like or the wood or something like that. And there it becomes a subjective thing because maybe, you know, people think that one piano sounds better than the other thing or, or another piano, but, like, an objective beginning where you have a piano like this this general shape that everybody understands is where you begin from and then you go from there so that's what i think you can say objectively is uh in music <laughs> I don't so, know. So, okay uh, so
0: let me get this straight are you saying like the foundation basically is like objective truth yes okay Paige. You that's something? the thing
1: though no I, I say i say that it's Because I watched a video on this and it says that like nothing, nothing out there is actually an objective foundation because we draw, we draw all of our, our structures of how the world works in our, in our heads in our brains from, uh, initial like starting points that aren't even provable because it came from our brains to begin with. And so I'm saying maybe that there's a objective baseline based on the tools that we started with.
2: Right. Okay, um, I don't know if this is off-topic or a tangent, but I will bring up that the piano is an objective instrument in that it's a huge lie. Um, <laughs> okay. The piano, oh God, the piano okay. is a lie. Um, right, we go. The way a piano is tuned is not what intervals sound like. It's a compromise. The way a piano is tuned is um, on a system called equal temperament which is where you take an octave of pitches and you cut them into 12 even slices. Um, Right? So the Greeks kind of figured that out by if we have a string and we pluck it, it makes this note. And if we have a string, we pinch it in exactly half and then we pluck it, it makes the same note an octave higher. Mm. That has to do with hertz and whatnot. So what the piano does is it takes that octave and it slices it into 12 even pitches and that, is the pitches you see on the piano. Um, That is so that it can play in any key and it will sound the same. Mm. That's not what intervals sound like. (laughs) Uh, What intervals sound like is called just intonation. And those are built on the um, overtones and the harmonic series that ring out above every note. So um, they're not even. A perfect fourth and a perfect fifth don't aren't the same size as in um, equal temperament. Oh. So whereas in equal temperament, every note is split up into. Um, I got. I'm gonna fact check myself on this. <laughs> um,
0: okay, real quick though, while she's fact checking, uh, she's mentioned this multiple times at work. It's like the piano's a lie. I'm like, okay. And then she just never explained it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, she's like, we're working on the piano, and she's like, the piano's a lie. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So spooky.
2: Yeah, so a semitone, which is one note to the next note on the piano, is a hundred cents. So we divide that into cents. So they're all divided into a clean hundred cents. Mm -hmm. Um, But in just intonation, which is what notes really sound like it's they're not all based on um semitones of a hundred cents mm. the intervals are different sizes so say one 73 cents and one's 106 cents it's not very big differences um but it is enough of a difference that it makes um a change in sound of how busy the the overtones that ring on top of the harmonies are when you play in one tuning system versus in another. So um yeah. But basically what would happen was um you would if you did a succession of intervals on the piano and you tried to come back to the same note, it would be the same because it's all a hundred cents, right? Per oh. semitone. But if you but if you if you did a succession of intervals in just intonation, you're not adding up clean hundreds and subtracting clean hundreds. Right, right. So when you get to the end, your say your middle C is probably going to be a different note. It's going to be ever so slightly flatter or sharper because of the succession of intervals. Um, but just intonation sounds much better because it's what notes are supposed to sound like. So. Instruments that aren't fixed pitch like a piano something like for example the voice Can tune in just intonation. That's why barbershop quartets sound so good.
0: Okay, we do have to okay We've been talking for a long time now, so we should probably take a break Francis let's say what I have to say. What do you think? Great idea. Okay, we'll (laughs) be back right after this And we are back so um we talked about music for a good 40 minutes 30 or 40 minutes there, depending how the editing goes. But uh, now we want to get into another aspect of this perspective of page. I don't know how I'm titling this episode, Um, but hopefully it becomes like a whole thing. But anyways, if the world had an apocalypse or something, something that wiped off a good majority of the human race, and let's say there's only, I don't know, 10 million what. Five million people left on earth. And you were the ruler of all of them. They all wanted you to be the leader. And they're like, okay, we had to only teach one subject to all of these guys and really focus on that one subject. What subject, Francis, I'll go to you first. What subject, Francis, are you going to be teaching these people? Oh,
1: man, the scenario, the scenario has made it so easy for me. Uh, English, I say English because we all have to communicate with each other. (laughs) But more than that, I think more than that, uh, the very active communication means that you have something to say. And in, in not only this scenario, but in life in general, you need to, you need to be able to be fired up in a sense by the ability to communicate anything that you want to say because, uh, value comes from original thinking, like people just, people just saying the things that they feel is correct and deliberating on what is right and all of that jazz so i think english english is my okay most important okay thing I like that to teach
0: um i want to get back to that later but <laughs> Paige, what are your thoughts
2: surprise surprise <laughs> my answer is music uh because music is everything music is math and science um Considering what I talked about for way too long earlier about uh, science behind music and why the piano is a lie and all that good stuff. And music is English because music is poetry. Music is philosophy because music is big ideas about how and why we feel and the affects and how things affect us. And music is music because music is music. And um, music is history. Music is everything put into an audio presentation.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I came up with this yeah. question is because we I know Paige wants to go into yeah. teaching, into education. Um, my answer is philosophy because um, you know you're teaching five million people about this one f- focus, whatever that focus is, and I think philosophy of all the subject is probably the most important one to me at least um, because it's not really questioning. Um, how or what, or how we got here and all that stuff. It's focusing on the question of why. And and Francis, we've talked about this before, in previous episodes. Um, we can't ever find a solution. And I know you mentioned this this episode too, because once we have a solution, eventually it'll all break down. And that's why that's where I think philosophy comes in. It's this idea that no matter how hard you try. You're never going to really find a solution to anything. And, you know, you just keep on asking these questions and focus on the step ahead of you. And I think that's where philosophy shines. And, you know, the world's already ended, so you might as well focus on the next step. And that next step is asking the question, why? Francis, you said English. I was very surprised you said English. I thought you were going to say science or something. But your, your backing to that is communication and page. Is music because yes. music is in everything.
1: When it comes to like doing doing stuff, I think you have to be uh, motivated first and foremost. And to be able to be motivated, you have to have the ability to communicate some sort of spirit that you see or observe in the world. Science and all science and the empirical side of study is. Very based on the ideas that are observed and the excitement surrounding these ideas. And without there being a way to communicate these uh, very technical and very specific ideas, then there would be no science to begin with. And that's why I picked English before science.
0: So you're saying that communication is the most or like trying to find a common ground of language... And communication is the most important thing in creating a society again, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I back that. I back that, yeah.
0: You back that. Why music? Why is music, page the most important thing to creating a society again?
2: Well, I don't know. I feel like I kind of explained it. Music, the study of music involves the study of everything else. You're kind of hitting everything in one spot. Yeah. Every, every everything you can you can study to make a society is in music also music is uh pretty cool that's my other answer
1: yeah i wanted to say something about music yeah because uh I, it's something in support of music because i think what i was talking about in terms of uh spirit and allowing people to get motivated over some some idea or i guess some feeling mm-hmm. i think music does that but does that so much more efficiently as compared to language which you have to learn and practice before you can use because uh, music like like a beat a drum beat can go right to the soul and doesn't need any understanding or uh, practice to understand yeah so I think I think that is that's where music has that strength in my mind at a really deep level but at the same time, I was thinking, sorry, I was, I was thinking that what about, what about P.E.? Because that's way more deep. It's like, it's like you moving and stuff.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, uh, what I was going to say is that you're exactly right uh, with the first part of that, at least. Um, <laughs> um, you know, your 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 heart rate sinks to the beat of what you're listening to, if you didn't know that. Whoa. Now you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that can go as far as, as far as like, there's certain um, music groups that. There's this one, I don't remember what they're called, but they're like a historical Germanic music group, and they. One Direction. (laughs) Of course, One Direction. No, yeah. um, And they do like drumming, um, and, and they have this beat that goes to their entire concert on this like drum. And everyone in that concert hall's heart would be beating at the same time provided that they don't have any medical conditions that would prevent that music has that power because it biologically has that power it 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 changes your heartbeat so that's why you kind of get you know you kind of get amped up when you listen to something amped and you you listen to those lo-fi hip-hop beats to chill slash study, you know, too. You kind of get chilled <laughs> yes. out. It's like, yeah, a speech can get you thinking, but, like, nothing can hype you up in a dressing room like an ACDC Ooh, song, you know?
0: Damn.
2: Um, and there's a reason for that. It's because it, it literally does.
0: I feel like I'm the only one here. On, I'm sitting alone with philosophy. Um, there's no answers to philosophy. You just ask a bunch of whys and you see where you go. And I think that's the beautiful part about it. I, I'm not really trying to defend it. I definitely think music, if not philosophy, it would have to be something creative. Um, I just think philosophy combines the creative mind with a, well, yeah, exactly, with the analytical mind, because you try to find analysis through creativity, and that's like why I think. Philosophy. But like, if not philosophy, I definitely think um, either music or just art in general so Francis are you switching over are you saying are you agreeing with music
1: so yeah I think so something similar like 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 you said art it could it could be not even uh maybe auditory maybe it could be like visual maybe like you know crush some berries on a rock and learn about that I don't know (laughs) like (laughs) that's what I'm thinking like Whatever gets you going is uh, is what you should be learning about.
0: Teaching. I want to get into teaching now. Paige, give yeah. us a rundown of why teaching, why you're more interested in teaching now than going into the music business.
2: Teaching um, goes back to the idea of gifting and experience. In high school, I had the pleasure of doing three Cal musicals. <laughs> Not all good memories from that. But um overwhelmingly good. Like mostly good, but you know, obviously there's the rough parts. The, the the feeling you get of doing a high school musical is literally unmatched. It's like you're in a very irrelevant town in a irrelevant part of a relatively irrelevant country in <laughs> an irrelevant high school doing a shitty production of an irrelevant musical couple hundred people to come see you you know not that many Mm. but the feeling that you get when doing that it's like you're the center of the world Mm. it's like everything where it's so small it's so small in the world and it's so insignificant and it feels absolutely huge it feels like the be all end all of your life and of the world and it is so great and and the people you do it with even if you fought I have this experience. Even if, if you fought for the whole rehearsal period of the show, when the show ends, you cry and you hug them and you say, "I never want to stop this. I want to. I. I want to. I don't know how I'm gonna live without seeing you again every day." Um, and you go to your after party and you go to Denny's and you, you know, you cry because it's over. And it's such an irreplaceable, absolutely wonderful feeling that I had the pleasure of experiencing many times that i want to be the one to give that oh, to others no. someone found it in themselves to be the one to give that to me so i want to be the one to pass that down i feel like it's my my duty my duty my calling right. it's um what is it what did you say something my it spoke to my spirit mm. spoke to my spirit i thought i can't keep this to myself right like like we were talking about before it would be it it'd almost be selfish to keep these wonderful feelings and experiences to myself and not everyone has the knowledge or the motivation or the you know like the skill set to um, direct that kind of a activity right to to get, bring that experience to others but because i like to think that i do <laughs> um, or i'm going to school to at least um, i figure that um, someone's got to do it, and it should be me because I like it.
0: The reason why I brought this up is because when we were talking about this uh, initially, when we were brainstorming, you said that it would have been selfish if you don't share this, right? Um, and you still stand by that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I don't know. I I agree. Okay, for you, for for you, I guess it's sound. It'd be selfish, but. I've had the same experience with sports. You know, I played basketball in high school. And like you said, it's an irrelevant school in in an irrelevant town versus these irrelevant people. And really, where is it going to take you? Maybe Vancouver, but you're playing other shitty schools um, in probs. But like in the long run, it's not really going to get you anywhere. So, I mean, I guess it, it is irrelevant. But still, when you win... Or, like, you do great or have a good game. It's, like, the best feeling in the world. But but the selfish part, of it, I wouldn't say I'd call myself selfish for not wanting or not trying to spread that same joy. So, I guess, in but other than that, I agree with everything you say. I mean, like, and it's your passion, you know? Yeah. So, that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't say basketball is my passion.
1: Yeah, it was a wild feeling. I can I can attest to that. After... After a theater show uh, that you are are given the chance to be in the company of, it's it is a surreal feeling. It's like it's hard to explain. And after every show, though, I I think to myself like, why? What kind of value am I getting out of this? It's the feeling, and it's it feels great. Like it's 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 something that I've never felt before, and it's novel. But I've never gotten. Around to understanding why exactly it was something that everybody should experience. Maybe that's a question that I'd be asking. Oh, okay. It's a weird I, question, I, I know. That's no, funny.
2: no, that's interesting. I wouldn't say that it's something everyone needs to experience in their life. But I think that it's something some people need to experience. Like some, for some people, it's going to be their, their saving thing. The mm. thing that... um maybe keeps them afloat mentally or is going to um, lead them to a really successful career or is how they're going to meet their life partner or something like music is not as meaningful to everyone. But I think to some people it's like a super instrumental oh. thing. I don't think, you know, you need to experience being in a musical to like be a successful person or yeah. be a good person. I do think that music education, especially in elementary is super linked to be people being highly successful later in life whether they become a musician or whether they become like a surgeon it so that i think because it it has a lot to do with the development of the brain Mm -hmm. so whether whether you want to be a musician or not like the development of the brain is very helped by music but i think that i i just want to give that experience for people who are interested and i and i don't think not I don't think not pursuing a career to share something that made you happy, made you happy is selfish. Because in the end, you know, who, who, who do you have in your life to fulfill but you? I think um, if it's not your calling to play, you know, coach basketball (laughs) for a living, then don't do it. But mine just so happens to be music education and sharing the feeling is my reason behind it I,
0: whoa if it's if it's something that's super super meaningful to you mm-hmm. that you were really passionate about yeah. uh and that you're really knowledgeable in and not sharing that information or not sharing that knowledge or wisdom with someone else whether it be a class or or someone important to you or even a random person is selfish in a way
2: see that's a tough one because when you try to talk to some people about music, they tell you to shut up because they're not interested. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that keeping on bugging them with it is also selfish in a way, you know? Um but so, if they're
0: interested as well, maybe. Let's just say. They're interested to a certain degree.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think Okay. I think that um not pursuing what you're what you're meant to do and what makes you happy and what um is your you know, call to your soul is also kind of Selfish to yourself. Mm. It's like you're depriving yourself. You know, life is short and depriving yourself of that one thing that's going to make it worth it is going to... That's really going to have an effect on you in the long run. Like, think of think of the life you could have had if you would have f- followed through with that one thing you really wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, well, it's selfish to others. It's also selfish to yourself. Mm. I don't think not like evangelizing music to every person I see is... I think that would actually be really annoying. I think if you have real special ability or something Mm -hmm. that you should share it. You know, some people in music are super talented because their parents put them in lessons super young and they are just super skilled, but they don't love it. And so I think just because you're good at it doesn't mean that you should keep doing it um, Uh if you don't love it and i think that if you're not super good at it but you do love it that you should keep doing it because you know priority one like i said earlier be your own best friend and make yourself make yourself happy
0: Francis do you have something right now? While well, i think about this for a sec.
1: Yeah, it was something profound. Damn, like i think it's it, i think when i was listening to Paige talk it just unpacked this whole feeling i was having of, around theater in high school. I don't know if any of the people who i did it with are going to be listening but like it was something that has stuck with me as like a puzzle in my head for a long time like i i felt amazing after each show and afterwards it went away and i think it was because at that moment i was trying to understand exactly why i didn't feel the the top of the world maybe like a day later and i don't know it it got me thinking because the the what page said about just making it Feel like it's for you mm-hmm. Is so important Maybe I didn't do enough of that And maybe I didn't put enough of I didn't put enough recognition in myself Into The performance I put on for people uh, At the moment to say that I was deserving Maybe of The the feelings that I was having And that's why I kind of like Brushed them away afterwards Or maybe it was that I had my mind in two different places. Like I was very heavily into my academics while I was doing theater and maybe that brought the experience away from really engaging with the people I was around, uh, which is what I feel like I, I might've done, uh, during that time. And, and instead like kind of double dip and not just be in the moment and be feeling like I was in a really great place at the time. Mm -hmm. And so from learning that, I think just my advice would be to my to my past self is just to to relax and realize that wherever you're at is a place where you have the opportunity to feel really great and to connect with whoever you're with at that very moment, because that's where you are and that's where you need to be. Yeah, for, for all of myself, but at that moment, I think I could have gotten so much more out of the experience if I just realized that. I think I realized that in this podcast episode, so thank you, Paige.
2: <laughs> oh, I was, that was really touching. I feel so, like, I'm really glad I said what I said, I guess now. Oh, I, oh I'm i really glad you had a good experience, well, uh, somewhat good experience with theater in high school. And I started doing theater and I, a show or... A season of competitions or whatever would end i would just cry and cry and cry because i was like it's over i'm never gonna get it back what's the point of doing music if i can't do this show again but you know it's fading is its greatest treasure Ooh. Um, it it's it is, it is so oh, wow. special because it's because <laughs> theater's you know not um forever? not forever it's you're in a room with all those people watching some people do something live and it's never going to be the same again it's only once every show is a little different it's that's um, part of what makes the art form it's not like a painting it's it, it's changing and moving and like living and breathing so i think that's really important i also think like what you said about it 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 it's important that to when you're doing a show or performing to realize that it's for you because if it's not for you, then what are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. Even when I teach, obviously, I'm teaching other people. I'm learning at the same time and fulfilling myself. And it's not like I teach because I don't care about anyone else. I just It's not like I just teach because I just want to and it makes me happy. And, you know, screw you, my students. Sorry, students. Um, but, you know, it's like delivering this to you makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It's like... I was going there anyway, you can come along.
0: Mm, I love that, like we said something similar to this last season, um, to what Paige said earlier. It's like the beauty of like music theater and all that is that it's fading. And likewise, the beauty of life is that it doesn't last. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of like a whole bridge there. I have a few questions here, um, but before I do, It's kind of more of the tail end. Uh, Is there anything specific, anything more we want to get into before I ask these tail end questions? Francis? I guess you can answer this too, but I feel like these are questions that I want to be asking every guest at the end of the season or at the end of each episode. Paige, do you have any regrets in life?
2: I want to say I'm only 18, so not yet. (laughs) I made, uh, I think I was in grade 11, and I made a decision that I thought was a regret then it turned out to be the best decision I ever made Um, and it led me to where I am right now directly so there was a a choir trip to New York and I was you know kind of like a a leader in that choir but I wasn't like the director or anything but I was a helping with a lot of stuff and took on a bit of a leadership role with it and I had been working for mid like like at that point like eight years to try to go to provincials for musical theater and that was the year that I got in but it was the same week as this choir trip to New York and I had always wanted to go there and it was like I had I had responsibilities in this choir mm-hmm. and so I had to pick. So I chose to go to provincials nice. and when I told my choir director who will remain unnamed, I got yelled at in the school hallway at lunch and everyone was there in my whole high school. I got screamed at and called Selfish Diva and that I wasn't going to go anywhere with music. Oh. And it was really, really awful. Yeah. And I cried and cried and cried. But but I stuck to it. I did not go on the trip. I went to Provincials. Because of Provincials, I ended up um, doing some work with this theater company on Vancouver Island so I got to go away for you know the summer and live there and do some very high level shows and that led me to being interested in going to UVic and um, making friends with someone who was already in the music education program and um, they convinced me to try to get into it and that's kind of what led me here so without that trip to Provincials I would have not known about that theater company I would have not known anyone in music at UVic like it and so it was. It was. I. It was a hard decision, and I feel like I was a little too young to make it. And it was very hard on me. It's stressful, but in the end, uh, it turned out pretty good. So that's. I thought it was a regret, but turns out it kind of was a very good choice.
0: This isn't one of my questions, but I am curious though. Would you say in life there is such thing as a wrong decision? I mean, there's obviously good and bad decisions, but is there anything called as a wrong decision? Like, for example, with this decision at a provs of New York, if you had went to New York, would you have called that a wrong decision? No. no. so you don't, just you don't, different. just a different, okay, okay. So this is tied to, do you have any regrets, but are you happy?
2: The deep, deep discussions. Um. Yeah, I would say I am, whatever that means, mm-hmm. happy means. I don't know, I feel like you ask a lot of deep questions uh, of me that I I'm okay with not knowing the answers to because yeah. I am only 18 and I don't owe anyone the answers and I don't need to know the answers. Um, but I think, um, especially in the past year with moving out and moving to Victoria, I've like gotten not that I wasn't happy, but I've just like really figured out what I value in myself and what I value in the people around me and more figured out um, what makes me happy, that it's okay to know what makes you happy and to seek that, Damn. and you don't have to feel guilty for it. Okay. Unless it's something, like, illegal, then you probably should, <laughs> but that is not the uh, case. Okay. Um, that is a
1: caveat that we actually say a lot on this on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, as long, you can do whatever you want as long as it's not illegal. I say that a lot on you
0: what would you say to someone that is struggling with happiness
2: oh yeah i'm okay with not having an answer to this one i mean i don't have a ton of life experience under my belt i mean like i said i'm 18 i don't i don't i'm just chilling you know i'm still yeah, a baby explain. i'm still a baby okay. but um maybe i would say b- being your own best friend is a good start and if you're not very nice to you mm-hmm. then maybe find people to help you teach yourself to be a better friend to yourself.
0: Final question. I, I only ask this question because um, Francis and I love this topic. We have like we bring it up twice a season. Well, I mean, I guess last season. But I've been asking this to a lot of people to see their perspective on this question and see what they have to say. If you don't have an answer, don't answer it. But what is love? Ooh,
2: <laughs> this is hard what is love well i mean love is like you can love another person but you can also love yourself and you can love like a th- an object like you can love like a, to do something or you can love like for me i love music a dog uh, vincent is currently loving a dog right now i don't think real love can be one-sided real love is has to be go both ways in some ways it's a chemical reaction, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think it's more than that. Um, but I don't I don't know if I can answer beyond that. Like I think that there's just something, it's like I wouldn't say soul because it doesn't have to be with another person, but it's like, oh, you should have told asked you told me you were gonna ask me this in advance. <laughs> I would have thought of something intelligent to no, say. No,
0: this is what we want. Mm, it's authentic,
2: mm, mm. authentic. Okay, authentic this page. is the authentic page <laughs> moment. I'm trying to say like is the right word symbiotic relationship?
0: Symbiotic is back, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like a symbiotic relationship of um, attention and nurturing and happiness, like gifting happiness. Okay. And oh, yeah. 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 So I think if you, because are love and attention the same thing? Some people think so. But mm-hmm. I think it's like attention with something more. Yeah, that that I think that's as <laughs> hard as my brain can work right now. The steam <laughs> is coming out of my ears.
0: So before we do our outro here, Paige, you got anything? One final thing to say to like the people, maybe if your friends are listening, anything that you want to say to all the people listening, what do you got for us?
2: Um, be your own best friend. Go hang out with yourself tonight. Nice. Um, The person that has the exact same taste in movies, TV shows, music, food, activities as you, is you. So realize that and enjoy it because it will make your life a lot better
1: oh man okay we we talked about a lot of things today obviously the center of our conversation was paige and her ideas her views on things and it was great to talk about talked about music first and foremost uh education uh we talked about what it means to be happy right at the end there and we had a lot of fruitful realizations i know i did so we thank Paige for coming on to our podcast. Yay, thank you, Paige.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yay. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, maybe we can have you on again sometime in the future. What do you think? Maybe? Yes
2: or no? Maybe, maybe? Okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe,
2: yeah. I'll stop. <laughs> i
0: Paige and her goddamn chips. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening and vibing with us on Late Night Chill Vibes. I'm your host, Vincent.
1: And I'm Francis.
0: And by the way, we have a brainstorming session folder. If you want to check out that brainstorming session to this episode, do go check it out in our link tree. Um, it should be in our bio. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys all next week. We love you all.
1: We love you all.